Welcome back to People Analytics Podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay Patton. Today, I have Danielle Williams with me, and she is VP of HR at, uh, what company are you with? XYZ. XYZ. And can you tell me about the company and your role at XYZ? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So our company is a little bit unique. We do several different things, but we are in, we're a tech company in Santa Monica. We're in the FinTech space, but we're also a domain registrar. And um, my role at the company is I'm the vice president of HR. And you have uh, a just very diverse uh, history and history of success with HR. Um, Can you explain your background a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've been in HR for about 20 years now. Um, I actually started my career in recruiting and talent acquisition and organically took on a lot of the HR and people ops throughout my career. Um, I've worked in a variety of industries from hospitality to beauty to now tech. Um, I spent a lot of time, about 10 years of my 20 years, as an HR consultant, really focused on small to mid-sized companies that were looking for someone to help them develop their HR function and build out their HR departments. So I really feel like my background has given me a niche in really coming in and identifying what a company needs and really um, launching their HR departments. Um, I've always been passionate about HR. I have a business degree with an HR management specialization and a law degree in employment law and compliance. That's awesome. And I'm excited to talk to you because you really push back against the call me when you need me, um, HR mentality. Uh, So can you explain how you work action into your strategy? Absolutely. I believe that all the years in consulting um, really contributed to my proactive approach because obviously when you work with clients, they wanna see results and you have to take action to get results. I am very solutions focused. Um, So everything I do really comes from the space of how can I improve the employee experience and what impact will it have on the organization and how can that be measured? Um, So I'm always putting myself and my department sort of out there and thinking of innovative ways to interact with the workforce. in order to really make training and development um, effective, because you can train managers and leaders and it can be ineffective. Mm -hmm. And um, so I've really learned how to engage the workforce in a way that is proactive and um, provides them with a space where they can communicate with me or they can learn how they need to learn and on their level, not how HR assumes people want to learn. Mm -hmm. And so how do you engage employees as someone who is, you know, focus on focuses on action? 
So I've really had to be creative in my career, especially in the tech space where you work with a lot of leaders and employees that are in that engineering space and they're not super, um, you know, motivated to talk and reach out. They're more quiet. Um, so I really had to jump into their space. So I created um, a Slack channel for all HR updates. I've also created a space where all leadership and actually any employee can schedule time with me. I have a literally an open door, open office policy where they can schedule time with me and we can actually it can be a teaching moment where if they want to learn a piece of technology from me, if they just want to understand a policy or a law, or actually if they just want to spend 30 minutes chatting with me and venting because they have nobody else to, to chat with. Um, so I've really just put myself in their space. Mm -hmm. And how has relationships with uh, employees uh, been since you know you've had that open door policy? Relationships have been great because what I've done is created transparency and trust. Mm -hmm. And I think you, you can't begin to have a good relationship with your workforce unless there's transparency mm -hmm. and trust. Mm -hmm. And, you know, those venting sessions, you know, you also work for the company. So how do you toe the line of healthy venting and then, you know, kind of putting up those boundaries of, okay, we're going a little bit too far. <laughs> You know, I, I think that I've been very fortunate in that, that um, that the venting sessions really are valuable. I guess just mm -hmm. steering them in, in the right direction and just setting the boundaries, you know, really our company values and the things that we live by in our culture, I think already limits that, that challenge because mm -hmm. we really have, you know, like I said, transparency and professionalism. And I really haven't had anyone sort of cross that boundary. It's really, um, they just come and it's a call for help and I take action and help them. And um, and we really haven't seen that, that sort of um, heading down the wrong path. I guess I'm very fortunate in that direct, in that regard. That's really wonderful. And that, that tells me that it's a workplace that is, has very limited toxicity if, you know, there's that healthy venting. Um, and it seems like it starts from the top up. Uh, can you kind of explain that structure within the company? Yes. So um, very interesting. When I came on board to XYZ, we, we did have some of that toxicity. So it's taken mm -hmm. a lot of work on our part to shift us and pivot away from allowing that toxicity to exist. So we really had to take action and set an example. So right from the beginning, when I came in and recognized that we had a little bit of that, we had high turnover and some of the things that we would need to do um, to sort of shift out of that, which we, we really set an example and we cleaned house with the toxic people and um, the rest rose to the occasion. And we've really been able to, to make that shift out of that space. And again, like I said, it really has a lot to do with transparency and trust. Mm -hmm. um, our co-founders, CEOs, um, 
we all really worked hard to be very transparent and and open with our teams. And that has really helped us eliminate that toxicity mm-hmm. and not allow it to grow again. That's awesome. And that can be overwhelming. Uh, that can be a task uh, for many people who look at it and say, okay, it's just easier to continue the way things are. <laughs> How do you you know, convince people that you know, this is an investment and things will be better because, you know, that's something that happens with actionable um, HR is, you know, how do you convince this is an investment that will pay off? Absolutely. Um, I think really showing our leadership that when you have that toxicity or you're living in that space, one, people aren't engaged, two, people Mm -hmm. aren't productive, Um, And it really hurts your business. So it's not only the people that, you know, put out that toxicity, it's who they're impacting. And normally they're impacting everybody. Um, So really just showing them the value in reinforcing that engagement and pushing our way through to have our employees be free of that stress that that toxicity creates. And then... um, allowing more room for different things and training and development and things that are positive to push them forward to a more productive and engaged experience in the organization. And I think that they trusted me initially and we just, and then just saw the results as we started taking action Mm -hmm. and started putting it into play. Mm -hmm. And developing your leaders, as you mentioned, is such an important part of that. And you've done a huge work in leadership development. Uh, Can you explain how that has benefited your organization? Yes. So when I came on to the company, we're a fairly small company. We're still just hovering right at, you know, under 50 employees. Mm -hmm. So when you have a small organization, a lot of things are, you know, amplified and you see, you can see them fairly quickly and fairly easy. Um, So when I came on board with the company, one of the things that, you know, we also recognized was that we hire incredibly talented people Mm -hmm. and we have some amazing leaders, but recognized very quickly that there was a very inexperienced group leading the charge in the organization. So um, to address really some of those things in those gaps, um, we really had to take a look at, you know, do a skills, you know, assessment and see like, what do we need our leaders to have in order for us to grow into our future? Mm -hmm. And so by really dissecting that and taking that I was able to work with our VP of operations and develop really, like I said, a meaningful back to the basics management 101 handbook, which is really a long-term training program that addresses everything from back to the basics of someone understanding how to conduct a one-on-one meeting all the way to having difficult conversations or how to give feedback and how to, you know, provide, um, do a performance review. So we really touched 
everything that a manager and then a leader would need as they grew within our organization. Mm -hmm. And our culture does not recognize that leadership is its own job because we promote people who, you know, are very intelligent at what they do, but have to acquire uh, management skills. So how do you work with people who, you know, they're, they're an expert in their field um, and you want them to lead, but their skills aren't quite there yet? So we do a lot of, we're lucky enough that we're small enough that we do do a lot of individualized training and development specific to each leader. And also to your point, we're a very small organization. So yes, all of our leaders also are individual contributors. Mm -hmm. So it's, you know, a real challenge to try to tell someone that they need to have all these additional responsibilities, you know, in on top of their individual contribution where they're an amazing, you know, specialist in that area in our company and we couldn't live without them, but pushing them to get them, you know, to, to lead, we've really been able to um, individualize that training in terms of um, understanding what they want to do and what, will push their career forward that will align also with the business goals of our company. Um, so again, it would just depend, but say, you know, we had a, our top, you know, VP of engineering, who's amazing and really having that person understand acquiring talent and hiring the right people. Mm -hmm. So really sitting with that leader and taking them through a training process that, to be honest, really provides them with an understanding of one, the type of person that we're looking for from a cultural standpoint, from a behavioral standpoint, and then really understanding, providing them with a structured interview process so that they can grow those skills. So it's a slow process. This isn't something that really happens overnight. This is something that you have to continually work on. And there's so many areas um, that we do train in because, again, we organically grow our people from within. Mm -hmm. So you're really teaching someone a, a lot of skills as you're growing them up in your organization. Mm -hmm. And hoping, and we're such a flat organization that we've really had to get creative with the growth, um, you know, laterally versus the traditional corporate climbing the corporate ladder because we just don't have those opportunities. So being able to keep them engaged, um, you know, close this leadership gap and satisfy their need to grow their career is a lot of moving parts. Mm -hmm. I'm really interested to learn more about that lateral strategy. So what do you, what advice you have for business leaders who are in the same position as you are? 
So I would say really take a look and we're sort of a unique organization because we do have five different business lines within our organization. So we can get a little creative where someone can, you know, work in a different business line or, you know, look at another position that may be in another one of our companies that where we can, you know, really start to develop them to, to move them Um, move the needle that way. Um, Because I think that if you have extremely talented people and they want to grow and you don't have that traditional space for them to grow up, you really do need to get creative. So we do training programs too, like paying for things that they want to do. So if they want to go get an education in another area and they want to look at another area that will help them sort of shift into another space. We fully support that. We'd rather retain them and shift where they are within our organization um, than to lose them because we didn't recognize we have nowhere for them to go and they got bored and they want to now leave um, to get to that next level in their career. Mm-hmm. And your industry is one where, you know, you need people who know their stuff, right? So retaining talent is, is essential. It's, it's critical to our business because yeah, the things that we do are very specialized. There's not an, a lot of domain registrars out there that um, you can easily recruit from. So mm-hmm. a lot of our employees also carry, you know, a lot of historical data. So we put a lot into training them and teaching them our business. Um, so to lose them is an incredible hit. Mm-hmm. So how do they respond to the development, the engagement? How has that been uh, since you've uh, come on board? So at at first it was a struggle, you know, again, like I said, with, you know, any sort of change in an organization, Mm -hmm. I think, you know, you get a lot of pushback and you have to, you know, work with people and do things trial and error. I mean, I think when I started and recognized we needed leadership development, I was like, okay, I have no budget. How Mm -hmm. am I going to do this? And so I thought to myself, okay, I'm going to get creative. I'm going to start a book club. I'm going to do a book that really grabs them so they understand what I'm talking about. So I got a book called Who the Hell Wants to Work for You? And it was Mastering Employee Engagement. I created training material around it, started training, and um, it really fell on deaf ears. Mm. And I recognized then that this wasn't going to be an easy process. And again, that I really needed to focus back on what did they want and how did they want to learn? Because Mm -hmm. clearly me just pushing these ideas on them um, did not work. So Mm -hmm. I really had to come up with a strategy, um, again, circling back to some of the things we do to close the leadership gap. And that was really some customizable training and then some training that was really just back to the basics. And once they could grasp the basics, um, 
it was easy to build from there. Mm. I think when you give leaders a concept that they just can't understand and it seems too big and overwhelming, you just lose them out of the gate. Yeah. So, I mean, you're, you have to have kind of a level of resilience because you're going in, especially during your consulting years, (laughs) telling people here, you should do it this way. (laughs) I can imagine there's a lot of pushback. So how do you handle that? You, one, I've learned over the years, back in the day, we didn't have a lot of data, but now you, you have a lot of data and you can Mm -hmm. use data to show um, you know, leaders and and get their buy-in. But I think for myself, again, that actionable and creative space that I live in really gives me that strength to keep going forward and just trying new things. So I never feel like, like if one thing doesn't work, I just go on to the next thing mm-hmm. and continue to develop things and until they do work. And obviously it's a collaborative effort. Um, you know, you look at an organization and you see the gaps, you shit, you give your recommendations and then you hope that they, you know, follow you in that direction. And if they don't, then you pivot and you, you figure out in a smaller bite-sized chunk, how you can get them there. And, um, I think you just have to keep keep on it. That that really is as HR. I mean, unfortunately, we do get a lot of pushback and our programs sometimes don't get the funding and the budgets. And so you have to just keep moving forward, keep trying new things. Um, I've always said I can create things on a dime. Mm-hmm. And, and I've really been able to do that in a lot of areas. Mm-hmm. Do you think the personalized approach helps too? Um, you know, over time you have the one-on-one meetings, you develop based on their interests. Do you feel like that opens up a sense of, you know, trust and back and forth? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, looking back at, you know, most of the organizations that I consulted for or I've been employed by, those, you know, relationships with leaders and really, you know, coaching them on an individualized basis and having, you know, hard conversations. Sometimes it's really having hard conversations. It's um, sitting with people, you know, giving them advice, showing them their own path too sometimes is very helpful because people can be resistant, again, like I said, to change or just resistant to something new. So really that individualized approach and helping people want it for themselves and then getting, and then helping them get there. Yeah. So you've spent, you know, two decades uh, hearing what workers want, Um, you know, and that is really as we're learning, especially with the great resignation happening, we're learning that we need to listen to what workers want. So what has been some trends, um, you know, in your career that you've seen that, you know, workers are really, really dying for in their careers? Oh, gosh, I would say over my career, I think that that's shifted. But I think that, you know, now I'm obviously we're in a new space right now. Mm-hmm. So what used to work for employees really doesn't work anymore. I think that, you know, right now in the organization I'm in and in, 
you know, a couple my previous companies, a lot of companies look at compensation, benefits, perks, you know, especially startups and things like that. And I think that those are all very important to people. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, especially now, I think people want our employees and our workforce want loyalty from the company. They want Mm -hmm. stability. They want to know that you're there for them as much as they're there for you and committed Mm -hmm. to you. Um, I think that's one of the reasons we have not really experienced a lot in this great resignation um, because we're already investing in them in that way. Um, So, you know, it's a no brainer pay benefits comp perks, but really investing in your workforce um, is, is where you're going to retain them. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And Um, what they want. Yeah. Who wants to go get a new job? (laughs) It's hard. It's so hard. It's hard. And I think people, they just they don't want to feel like they're expendable. They, everyone wants to feel like they're a part of something bigger than themselves. And when they can do that, you know, in their career, then that's really valuable for them. Absolutely. So providing them, you know, meaningful work that they're connected to and um, really the transparency, the inclusive, you know, culture, I think all of those play, play into what they really want um, and, and it's really been incredible for our, our retention. We had incredibly high turnover when, um, I started with the organization and we have drastically, drastically, um, lowered that turnover. That's amazing. Do you have a a timeline for that? For, so I would say within, it took a good year. And then in the last, I've been with the company three and a half years. So it took a really good year to sort of balance all of that out um, mm-hmm. again and identify what our workforce needed and identify the training and the how we hired and all that. But once we really honed in on all of those things, um, our turnover went literally to almost zero. Now we have lost maybe a few people. Um, so I would say it went from 60% to 5%. My goodness. That's incredible. incredible. Yeah. And to a lot of people, you know, a year may seem like a long time, a lot of effort to invest, but the years down the road after you put in that investment, I mean, I'm sure they are a lot better than if you did not put in that investment. Absolutely. And we're still putting in the investment. Again, Mm -hmm. I think if I had any advice for, you know, someone leading the charge in HR um, and organizations is understanding this is this is constant. This is something Mm -hmm. you have to focus on all the time and ongoing. And and you may have to shift depending on the times, but um, but it is worth it. It is worth the investment back all back to the action focus. Absolutely. <laughs> Daniel, thank you so much. I appreciate, you know, you answering all my questions. Uh, do you have anything else that you would like to add before we wrap up? Um, I only would like to say is if you do make this a focus and you do develop your leaders internally, 
you can, it seems cliche, but I do feel you can really um, experience and enrich culture with improved communication and collaboration. You can increase your ability to attract and retain top talent, improve engagement and productivity. And I've learned being in an entrepreneurial environment by addressing this leadership gap, we have really increased the success in navigating change. Mm-hmm. And I think in this day and age, that is so important. Yeah. So if you want to experience those things in an organization and they're measurable, um, I would just say it's absolutely worth uh, investing in your leadership. Awesome. And if people want to connect with you, what's the the best way to do that? They can connect with me um, via email if you'd like to share my email address um, or I'm on LinkedIn. All right. You can reach out to me on LinkedIn. That's great. And again, I'm a host, Lindsay Patton. If you or anyone you know would be a great host for People Analytics Podcasts, you can reach me at lindsay at staffgeek.com. Thank you again. Thank you for listening to Staff Geek's People Analytics Podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay Patton, and I'm always looking to interview leaders who put people first. If you or someone you know lead with a people-first mindset, please email me at lindsay at staffgeek.com. That's L-I-N-D-S-A-Y at staffgeek.com. If you want to take things a step deeper and understand your organization's true culture DNA, I encourage you to take Staff Geek's free culture assessment. Just head to staffgeek.com and click the button that says free culture assessment. Thanks again for listening.